All right, take two. Welcome to episode 93. I literally just talked for the last 10, 15 minutes and uh, didn't press record. So now we're actually recording. Sorry about that. <laughs> so I'll jump right into it. We're talking about nutrition today. We're going to talk about the three strategies to restrict calories from your diet in order to make weight loss something that's a little bit more effective for you, but hopefully even something that's more sustainable for you, right? When I look at, excuse me, when I look at nutrition, one of the things that I always like to remind people is nutrition has a million strategies and a million tools that make it work. The question is, what's going to make it work well for you, right? And when I look at what makes something work well for you and all the other diets that exist in this world, one of the things that I've realized is nutrition can be very confusing for a lot of people. And the reason why it's confusing is because there is so many tools and strategies to use. But what I like to look at is what is the parallels between all of them first? Like what's the one thing that every single diet kind of can agree on? Because I believe that it comes a little like extremist point of view sometimes for some people. So one thing that I will say just to kind of give you a foundational kind of couple topics to sit home with before I get into these three strategies. Number one, prioritize protein. Most people that I work with, and I would say 99% of them are not eating enough protein and they think they're, they think they are, and they're not. They're not even close. Protein needs to be the thing that you need to focus on the most because it's the hardest to get that number. And also, I think a lot of people don't choose the right type of protein. I am in the camp that I believe that animal protein is going to be the most nutritious and the best for your health because it's the one that has all nine essential amino acids. It has the biggest, most diverse profile of amino acids, and it has the highest bioavailability of these nutrients and amino acids in protein. And when it comes to protein and especially animal protein, it also has a very high thermic effect of food, meaning basically the idea that there is a, a caloric cost through digestion for people. Like if when your food enters your digestive tract, it has to pay a toll. You know, fat is very low, it's three to five. Carbs, four to 8%. Protein, you know, it's very high, it's up to 20%, some even 30%, but let's call it right around 20%. So meaning your body is burning a lot of calories through this digestion process. So if I can focus on a macronutrient that it's gonna provide me the amino acids, a complete set of amino acids, ideally from animal protein, that's gonna bring me healthy fat. So if you think about like eating eggs with the yolk, or you think about steak and the fat, or you think about salmon and that, you know, like all they, they bring a nice profile, but a balanced profile, both protein and fat. Like most of my fat in my diet, second olive oil and butter probably comes from just the meat that i'm eating because i eat fattier cuts of meat just because i need more calories in my diet um for you guys who might be eating leaner cuts and maybe you're adding some healthy fats on top but that could be whatever that's subjective so number one is understanding you need to prioritize protein like ideally is getting as close to one gram per pound of your body weight being the goal but i would say you know for some people that are more of a maintenance goal or maybe even a weight loss or weight gain goal or even for females maybe 0.7 to 0.8 of that number but at the end of the day, you need to prioritize this. And if you're looking at weight loss being your big goal, we wanna focus on things that provide satiety, right? Things that make you feel fuller longer. You wanna focus on things that are gonna help with the building blocks of muscle because getting lean is a combination of not just burning fat, right? It's a combination of building muscle and burning fat. No one wants to be skinny fat. No one wants to be skinny without any tone or shape, right? Like we wanna build muscle in this process because metabolically it's gonna keep your body running at a higher level because your body will burn more calories every single day at rest. So by doing that, you're making your body work for you, right? And I love the idea of thinking about protein and my basal metabolic rate kind of being like my passive income. Like it's working for me even when I'm in sleep. It's working for me even when I'm on vacation. You know, for example, this summer, just with the whole Mountain View gym, it's been 
quite the roller coaster uh, mentally, emotionally, financially, for sure, physically, because my workouts have been all over. My diet's been, not, I would say my diet's been bad. Uh, I would just say I'm definitely eating a lot less than I normally should. Like, I've been in the habit of, like, eating breakfast around 4 or 5 every single day lately just because I just get, like, straight into work. And I'm like, well, fuck, I haven't eaten yet. Drinking, you know, coffee to keep me going throughout the day. But whatever, functioning. But the fact that I've always prioritized protein, the fact that I've weight trained so long, the fact that I'm still doing some of those essential foundational pieces, I think is what's allowed me to maintain some body composition, maintain some level-headed, uh, you know, I would say decent training. I wouldn't say my training is good. I'm definitely not going to sit here and say my training is good or where it was when I was more consistent with everything. But I, like, I haven't gone backwards tremendously, which I think is an important thing to understand because I think when you look at sustainability in the macro and the micro, the foundational pieces, the fundamentals of that thing that allow you to kind of go on vacation for a month and kind of slack off or have a summer maybe that wasn't as consistent because life got a little crazy for you. Like those things are going to happen. So we want our body to work for us instead of us always working hard against it. But then we have to look at other strategies like prioritizing whole food. You know, if you can stay in the perimeter of the grocery store, if you can stay away from box goods, bagged goods, packages goods, you know, the more that we can start to cook ourselves from the foods that we're getting and ideally sourcing them as local as possible. So getting your vegetables and fruits from the farmer's market, getting your meat in bulk and putting them in the freezer, you know, and focusing majority of your diet around things that actually come from planet Earth, right? Things that either walk, flown, or swam, things that grow on planet Earth, those kind of things versus things that are grown in industrial plants, right? Um, and then there's the strategy of understanding like how, right? Like, am I actually chewing my food slowly? Am I actually sitting down and am I in a relaxed state? Am I eating with loved ones, right? Am I stopping when I'm 80% full? Am I using smaller plates, smaller forks? Like these little things that we maybe don't think are big strategies are things that allow you to kind of mitigate what we're trying to do. Because at the end of the day, if we're trying to restrict calories, we need to find ways that make eating less feel enjoyable, right? Like how do I find satiety? Because trying to diet and always being hungry, is this a recipe for disaster? Like it's really, really hard to sustain that. So those are kind of some of the fundamentals, right? That's the foundational piece to all diets that need to be successful. So I'm gonna jump into three strategies on how we can actually restrict calories. Number one, it's a very easy one, calorie restriction. What I mean by that is us measuring everything, right? So weighing your food, tracking your food, um, taking pictures, whatever it might be, but like obviously measuring is what I'm talking about for this one, because this one involves objective data. Like to give you guys a diet example for all three of these strategies today, this one would be like the it fits your macro methodology, right? Which is basically saying like, hey, as long as we really make, we hit our protein goal and we hit our calorie goal, right? It doesn't matter what the percentage of carbs and fats really are, right? So for some people, like when we did our nutrition challenge earlier in this year, I would say, hey, if you're tracking it, there's two numbers you really want to pay attention to. Number one is your calories. Your calories are going to dictate weight loss, right? Your protein is going to dictate the muscle preservation side of it. These are going to dictate the satiety levels of it. And these are going to dictate the type of weight that you're actually losing, right? Even in a caloric restriction, studies show when you have protein pretty high, you can still preserve muscle because naturally in a caloric restriction, there's going to be a combination of fat loss and muscle loss because there's overall weight loss. So your calories are the things that manage weight loss. Your macros are the things that manage the composition of that loss or gain or maintain. The micros are the thing that really manage the overall health and vitality of the human body and how it functions between the minerals and vitamins and all that stuff that's provided. So looking at a calorie restriction, I would say, is one of the probably the best ways for a lot of people to start because it allows you to build awareness because hard data numbers, like having a diary entry at the end of the day to look at, having a report card at the end of the week, 
you know, I always like to use the data against the result, meaning if like my goal is weight loss and I say, hey, I'm eating in a 500 calorie restriction and this is what I think it's going to be to hit that number. And I hit that number on the T every day and I never missed an entry and everything was, you know, spot on perfect and I lost weight. Cool. That number is real. That number is the number that I need to be hitting every day. The downside, I would say, is the fact that number one, not all like FDA, I think, legally allows companies to be off on. I forget what the percentage is. So I'm not going to say it, but it's a certain percentage of like calories that they can have a delta on, meaning like if it says it's 120 calories, it could be like 135. So there's that to begin with, right? Even if you're logging perfectly, there's still a really, really good chance that you're going to be off on calories. That's why it's never a foolproof approach, right? Second thing is then it's like, it's kind of hard to manage or like really what if trying to take a whole food approach requires you having a scale. If you're eating packaged food, it's easier because you can always just scan the barcode, right? You can, the nutrients are printed on a fucking label for you, right? But eating a steak or eating a cucumber, eating, you know, three bananas, like, and you don't know the size of the banana. So it's like, now you need also a scale on top of the fitness pal app. Um, so there's just more, I think, opportunity for us to screw up how we're logging it and being super, super accurate with it. But I, like I said, I think from an awareness perspective, using the data against itself, against the results, uh, allowing you to really focus on protein and then hitting the calories. Like if you really wanted flexibility and you were more OCD and more data driven, this approach I think would be fantastic for you. If you're newer to this, like never done any type of tracking, this approach would be great for you because I think it's going to do all the things it needs to do. With that being said, you need to understand what is my exit strategy from this? Am I wanting to carry a food scale and my fitness pal around the rest of my life to be sustainable with my health? Probably not, right? And if you don't, like majority of us, like normal people don't, <laughs> like you need to figure out what is the exit strategy. So, so gather the information, gather the education from what you're doing um, and learn how to apply that, right? Because you can create intuition with data. You can go data on and off. It can cycle, right? You can be like, hey, one, one month every quarter, I'm going to do it. Or, you know, I'm going to go through periods where throughout the year when I want to take myself a little bit serious or more serious than I currently am, then I can go back to tracking. So that's number one. Number two is a nutrient restriction, right? So if you think about like the keto diet, keto diet is a nutrient restriction. I am restricting carbohydrates from the diet. Now, most people that obviously advocate for certain diets will always be a little bit of uh, a dogmatic approach to this. And this is where I disagree with most people in the nutrition world because they like to like kind of preach their point of view. It's very like religious and culty almost in my point of view, um, just in my opinion. Um, but things like keto, carb cycling, low carb, high carb, low fat, high fat, Atkins, all these things, right? These are all nutrient restrictions, right? The cool thing about these is they're obviously a great way to create a caloric restriction once again. So this is why it's a caloric restriction basically strategy. We're not calling it that because we're just saying, oh, for example, keto is going to make you fat adapted. It's going to learn how to get your body to really tap into its own fuel stores. You're going to burn more fat, right, based off the amount of percentage. And the answer is, yes, you are right. No shit. Your body is going to get fat adapted because you're feeding a lot of it, right? But you're also body's burning more fat because you're feeding it more fat. So your body is going to get really good at using the fuel source that it's provided. But naturally, it's going to go through what it needs to do. Like even the brain runs on glucose. So your body will go through these habits and strategies to still kind of mitigate what's coming in or what's not coming in. The human body is an amazing machine for that reason. But what makes keto really effective is the fact that it allows someone to stay in a deficit without even thinking about it. It's like, oh shit, I took carbo or carbohydrates away from my diet and I lost weight. So not having carbohydrates logically means that's the reason why I haven't seen weight loss success. Well, maybe it was like, well, maybe you like removing, you know, five, 600 calories a day of carbohydrates that you didn't think 
were a big deal was the reason why you weren't in a deficit, right? So maybe keto wasn't really necessarily the fancy fat adaptation thing that worked for you. Maybe it's because it allowed you to restrict calories. Now, that being said, I will say this is probably out of the three I would probably view as one of the most powerful strategies. I love carb cycling. I love cyclical ketosis. I like the idea of being on and off of certain types of approaches. So I don't want to say that I'm really talking against any of these strategies. I think all these strategies, you need to figure out what tool is the best for your job. Um, I've used all three of these and I still kind of use all three of them. I would say the number one, the calorie restriction of like tracking, I'd probably use the least because I've just done enough of it throughout my life of being a little bit more in tune. But like I did it with everybody during the challenge and I tracked everything and it's, it was cool awareness for me, right? It's just nice to see what's like, what am I actually putting into my body? And because that changes, right? Like every six months, every few months, every year, um, you know, we naturally will gravitate to a different style of eating, right? Maybe I'm eating a little bit more of this, a little bit less of this. So, or I'm eating out more, et cetera, et cetera. So super powerful thing to use. And this is like carb cycling is great because maybe it's like, hey, maybe I go keto three days a week, right? Where I don't really have any carbohydrates, right? And then the days I train, I go a little bit higher carb or like moderate carb, you know? And a lot of times we will look at, you know, that strategy being effective because we're cycling the carbs on and off or because of the fat being high. In reality, it's just like a really cool strategy to restrict calories, but there is some science to it too. Like you going periods without eating or you going periods without a certain food, you are naturally going to create a adaptation towards how do I function still without this thing coming in, right? So I do believe it is a powerful strategy for people because using a keto-based strategy full-time, the downside of it is you're gonna lose insulin sensitivity, right? You're not gonna be good when you do put carbs and reintroduce those back into the diet. You're not gonna handle them as well as you could, right? Versus being like, I'm gonna go low carb for a couple of days and then I'm gonna add carbs in the days I train, right? Like that's a super simple strategy that allows us to mitigate that and allows for this kind of fat adaptation because in reality, to like lose weight, you need to restrict calories. But in reality, in order for you to lose more fat than muscle during this weight loss process, you need to learn how to get your body to become fat adapted too. So those strategies definitely do have merit. Third and final one, I would say one of the things that I probably have always used without being aware of it is a time-restricted calorie approach, right? So there's calorie restriction, which is basically measuring and just literally reducing the number based off a hard number. Then there's a nutrient restriction, which is basically an indirect way to say, once I take a food group away, I'm naturally creating a restriction of some sort, which is going to allow my body to facilitate weight loss. But then it's also, let's restrict the time that I'm allowed to eat. There's also a lot of strategies inside this window. Intermittent fasting could be a daily thing. You're like, hey, I don't eat till 10 a.m. or I'd stop eating at 6 p.m., right? Like that's something that you can do every single day. Or for maybe people that are a little bit heavier set want to take a little more seriously, do like an alternating day fast. So like every other day I eat, I eat a full day on one day and then I eat nothing the next day or just water, just salt, just coffee, whatever. Um, then there's like a 5-2 approach, right? Where it's just like, hey, I go five days of, you know, normal maintenance calories and I go two days of no food, right? Or a 6-1. Uh, or six days of normal eating and one day of OMAD where you only have one meal a day. Like there's all these different kind of strategies inside of these fasting things that are all super powerful. One thing that I will tell you that I've, from my own personal self-exploration with how I go about it, one thing I've realized is when I, when I, when I feel like I don't need food all the time, I actually feel better. I don't want to be victim to needing food. Um, one of the things that I always like to tell people, if you want to know if you're like, you know, metabolically flexible 
is the idea of like do i get hangry right like do i can i go hours without eating and still be okay now the downside to time restricted eating is i believe that it's actually a very easy way to go too far too fast um we don't want to be malnourished in caloric restriction we want to be nourished with the restriction in calories right so it's like trying to find the balance between those two things i think is really the most important thing so when looking to restrict calories number one way is a base a straight up calorie restriction which is no change in the diet it's just you tracking and becoming aware of it number two strategy is a nutrient restriction which is basically i'm reducing carbs or fats or a certain nutrient or macronutrient and that's obviously going to just indirectly create a restriction and the last one the third one is a time restricted approach which is saying that hey i'm still eating the same thing i'm still focusing on the foundational pieces but i'm lessening the window right maybe every day i eat at this window or on the weekends i stop or this day i only do one meal a day so find what strategy works best for you and apply it and find the most sustainable way all right guys we'll see you next week take care